Це не є зона лишення свободи. А в Києві я вже та вмерла б давно, може, п'ять разів, не раз. Там вихлопні гази. Більше, ніж може навіть тут. Тому що кожна машина вихлопне таблицю Менделеєва, а ви її вдихнете в свої легкі. Кушать. Ви хімію всяку разну кушаєте. Це не є здорово, це не є добре. Ну, зона відчуження, тут життя не прекращається, однаково все одно. Природа бере своє. І річка тече так само, і рибака живе так само. Нікуди не поїду, хай мене під пістолетом. Hey guys, George Mesa, Third Eye Edify podcast. And I know it's been a few weeks, as a matter of fact, since I've released anything except some appearances I've had on other shows. Plenty more where that came from, of course. But if you happen to catch me on my most recent appearance on Chance Carton's Innerverse Vibrant, then you'll know why. I am going to be moving out of state. And I'm taking my wife and my two very little kids and... Uh, That's my excuse. I hope it's a good enough one. But this show ain't done yet, I promise you. I got plenty more where that came from. And um, this particular episode today, if you know what language you had heard in the uh, intro there, it's about Chernobyl. And it's something that I've always thought about. It happened when I was very young, so I certainly heard the term a lot. Uh, even though I wasn't around for any of the... Insanity involving World War II, nuclear weapon-wise, of course. I, it's, it was still on everyone's, the tip of everyone's tongue. You know, the word scram is actually a nuclear term. It's the scram button. If something goes goes down at the reactor, I didn't even know that. That came across in my research. So um, we we have a, we're still, it's a very young thing. This whole idea of nuclear energy, nuclear bombs, radiation therapy, things like that that we'll talk about. But um, the intro there was from a documentary I, I watched called The Babushkas of Chernobyl. People still live there. People that were taken from their homes after the unfortunate accident, of course. And um, there's a lot of very interesting things that come up when I started looking at this stuff, as usual. But I hope to get you thinking about it as well. Because uh, based on the title, which isn't necessarily the genuine focus of this, but uh, I, I saw another documentary, maybe not so recently, that said there's a very large pack of wolves uh, dominating the area. They're thriving, and the wildlife is back. Nature took over. To the surprise of scientists, of course, they're baffled. They have no idea how or why. Um, I've got some ideas, but... You know, before I say anything else, sort of like I did with my 9-11 episode, I really think it's a good idea that we have a moment of silence. I'm going to be discussing events that have taken lives. Conspiracy theory or not, people have 
People have died from these things, no matter what you think they are or no matter what they were. So please do join me and allow this moment of silence. Thank you. You know, it's... I always thought it was Russia, I guess, because Moscow is part of what's going on here and Belarus as well. But um, when I was I was super young, I was four years old when this happened. As a matter of fact, I had just turned four, April 26th, 1986. And I, I guess the idea of Ukraine, you know, not being Russia, Scotland, England, Ireland, all those things, I wasn't exactly 100% on that stuff yet. Clearly, I was pretty young. And... Um, Maybe the news didn't do a good job of making it clear, or maybe it just wasn't important enough for people to pass the information along when I heard it. So I don't know. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. Um, I have a lot of things I'd love to get feedback on with this because um, there's things that I'm just not an expert in, but there's some really intriguing things that um, go on there still. And um, as I was saying, people still live in what's called the exclusion zone. It's about 30 kilometer um, square zone that you're not allowed to live in anymore because of the extreme radiation. Um, it's near the Dnieper, I don't know how to pronounce that, river basin. And it's, you know, it's near a body of water. A body of water that stretches, it goes, you know, there's a river going to Belarus, there's a river heading down um, Ukraine. And then there's areas of, of Moscow. It's areas of Russia that are affected by this. So it's really pretty large, pretty big deal. And the way that the people were treated, it's a big deal. But this area, Pripyat, was actually something of a, like a work zone, a purpose-built city created just so that people who worked at Chernobyl could live in a community that had, you know, things to do. There's always images of this one theme, you know, this little carnival slash theme park that was there, Ferris wheel, bumper cars, you know, um, it, it was, it started in 1970 and it was founded in 1970, I should say. So the place was ready to evacuate in this scenario. And what caused it exactly? I have it written, written word for word, but I can kind of summarize too. It was a routine stress test. They were actually just testing things out. They blew that. So the story goes. Now, I have a lot of questions regarding nuclear anything. And this doesn't help. This gives me more questions <laughs> as usual. But let me, let me read the word-for-word -word cause that was stated, right? During a safety test that was meant to measure the ability of the steam turbine to power the emergency feed water pumps of an RBMK-type reactor. This is a Soviet-designed reactor, which wouldn't be the kind that you see in, let's say, The Simpsons in Springfield. Um, in the event of a simultaneous loss of external power and major coolant leak, during a planned decrease of reactor power in prep, the operator accidentally dropped power to near zero due partially to xenon poisoning. So maybe this something was already going wrong. And based on a lot of the different things that I read, this thing was, I wouldn't say built to fail, but it wasn't working perfectly to begin with. I don't know if that's the RBMK thing. I don't know if that's a 
planned obsolescence the obsolescence thing if it's meant to happen i i can't say and i won't say but um pretty crazy you know xenon first noble gas to form true chemical compounds which i thought i thought was interesting that that was the one um only 30 people died here about 60 total over the course of time poisoning radiation whatever it happens to be and um i am amazed what a low number for what was clearly a disaster um apparently it's the only accident in the history of nuclear accidents with radiation related fatalities this is as reported i am speaking from articles that I had read videos i had watched things of that nature this is not eyewitness accounts this is not a counter counter news story. This is, you know, all the mainstream stuff that I could find because there's quite a lot here and um, I'm certainly not going to get to all of it. No chance, right? But um, just for clarity, this is the, the number four reactor and at the Chernobyl nuclear power, power plant rated a seven, which is the max type of plant so clearly a big one well over 150 tons of all the different chemicals and the hundreds 100 plus chemicals were released but the main ones were iodine strontium and cesium and it's i saw something that was comparing because i was very curious when you look at the numbers for hiroshima and nagasaki hundreds of thousands two hundreds of thousands of people died these bombs were exploded and they're far smaller amounts of anything that was going on at this nuclear power plant in chernobyl but there's two pretty obvious factors here one of them is that again chernobyl and all of his employees all the employees living in nearby pripyat this was again a purpose-built city designed for immediate evacuation where were they evacuated we'll talk about that and so there were it was supposed to this is how it was supposed to go it's supposed to be a minimal fatality situation and it looks like it was um but now that people are living there again and the wildlife again to the total surprise of any scientists is making me think that there's a lot more to the story i wouldn't have done an episode otherwise of course so um the the second factor i guess what they were saying the ones what i had read first factor again being that this place was ready for this hiroshima nagasaki was an act of war clearly not announced ahead of time well potentially not and those bombs were exploded in the air they are saying that because unlike chernobyl where everything went right into the ground right into the water spread immediately that things were much 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 worse and nobody can go back to live there ever again for you know it says three thousand years um <laughs> they told them they could go back in about three days by the way a lot of the eyewitness accounts that were being interviewed that i saw people that were you know stripped right from their homes said you can go back in a few days we just got to get you out of here right now the injured and dying were taken to moscow hospital that's how close all of this was to russia it's really a tight little thing there i have a map to show in a little bit and um the ones that died they're buried in a cemetery in moscow called um mitinsko i'm not sure how to pronounce it but um 
it, there's a lot going on with the people that still live there. And I'll definitely get to all of that. But let me show a few images that kind of were swirling around in my head as this was going on because I found some very interesting things, as I always do. Not because it's me, but because that's the way things always go when you research them. Things get interesting. Things get crazy fast. So let, let's quickly uh, show this because I think this is the first thing that needs to be shown. What is this? Mushroom cloud. Correct. Where is this? And when is this? Some of you may already know what I'm getting at here. This is what just recently happened in Ohio, East Palestine. And yes, it does look like Palestine, but it's good to say it the way it's said so we know that we're not dealing with the Middle East. This is right here in the uh, good old United States. And coincidentally, this well, this is clearly what looks like an atomic blast. It's not. But... This train derailed, toxic chemicals were released, they lied about everything, it's a nightmare, people can't sell their houses, businesses can't open, no one wants to show up there again. That whole place is completely ruined. It's an awful thing. Please look into it if you don't know. If you don't know beyond what you heard about on the surface level, it's a lot worse than that. And um, there's a lot of great work being done about this right now. I'm not going to add this into the mix. I'm, I'm trying to focus on the past here today. <laughs> but this looks a lot like a nuclear war. Imagine seeing this. Um, this was directly next to the Ohio, Ohio River Valley. This hits the Mississippi. So this is a similar yet different scenario. And um, it certainly reminded me of images I had seen in the past of other kinds of mushroom clouds. This is a purported image, and basically the only image I can find for the most part of the Hiroshima explosion, 1945. Now, you may argue they weren't doing a lot of nice photos back then. They were. If you look up 1945 photography, you'll see lots of very polished and good-looking images. Photography was killer back then. It is not a sign of the times. What is it? I don't know. they're saying it is what it is then how come there aren't thousands of images of this somebody had a camera when this happened and it wasn't just the enola gay that dropped the bomb so let's leave it at that for now i definitely don't want to get into the discussion of this but i will say this regarding hiroshima nagasaki and our involvement i thought that hitler was the you know devil why didn't we drop one of those bombs there? Was Europe too precious? Was Rage Against the Machine, the band, unfortunately seems to be going down a weird path, but were their lyrics correct? Europe, my rope to swing on, can't learn a thing from it, yet we hang from it. I think the U.S. is hanging from that rope. And um, all of this could be part of that, but hard to say and... I am tiptoeing. I am trying not to bring up, it's too late, obviously, but to bring up some awful memories for some people. I'm not trying to say things that I'm not 100% sure about. What I am sure about is a lot of things are not reported properly, and history is written by the winners. So I, I give respect to everything I'm saying. Believe me. So now, now that we're 
kind of in the uh, midst of discussing nuclear reactors and all this stuff. This is an RBMK core. You'll notice there are tons of rods above this upper biological shield. Now there's concrete on the outside of this, which apparently is one of the biggest differences. Um, this concrete is easy to break. And once this thing did, and the decades later plan to cover it so that all the wind doesn't keep blowing around radioactive dust, you'll be potentially not surprised to find out who's funding it. And <laughs> it's if you thought Ukraine was getting a lot of money now for the war that we're apparently in with Russia, then you'll be very surprised to find out. Or maybe you won't be surprised to find out. This image here is the overhead of all those rods. They raise and lower as things happen. Pressure and other things. Uh, again, I'm not an expert, and I don't claim to be. I just want to give you some perspective to how huge this, just the core is. And for anything like this to blow, um, who knows? Re look, nuclear or not, to any explosion of any kind for any reason is not good, and anyone nearby would clearly be done for. These people are looking pretty small in this image here. I'd say this is pretty huge. And... Um, same thing with the Ohio spill and many other train derailments that happen every year. There's apparently 14,000 train derailments a year. Who knew? It's many a day. I had no idea there was that many, and I assume most of you didn't think there was that many either. It's a lot. That's a lot. So, again, this is Reactor 4 at Chernobyl. And here's another overhead shot. And here is an overhead shot post-explosion. Looking pretty bad for sure. Now, there was some... Now, black and white photos. Now, again, this is 1986. So where is the color photography? I do have some, of course. But this is the anomaly that occurred after this explosion. I'm not a chemist. And unfortunately, I'm not yet an alchemist. I plan to be. But this is quite a striking color. And there's a few photos of this. This laser beam shooting up from the reactor straight into the sky. I have a very interesting little side story slash anecdote to mention about this, by the way. But not before showing this. It's another image overhead. Now, what does this look like to you? I'm not saying it's thermite, but this is exactly the kind of images we got from the rubble of the towers in 9-11. Is it not? I'm not saying it was done on purpose. But since so few people died, the obvious thing to say is, well, it was purpose-built city. Everyone was evacuated to Slavutich, which was the planned evacuation for all of Pripyat if something like this happened. It seemed to have been a very successful thing, thankfully. But... Again, you'd expect... I just thought... I'm not looking for blood. Yes, I know. I know. I know. And I'm wearing a Freddy Jason t-shirt. But it's the last thing I want. And um, it's surprising that more people did not die from this. Whether it's documented or not, to say so few, that's, I'm, I assume there's heavy documentation there. If more people died, we know about it by now. Um, incredible. Incredible. I didn't expect to see that. I, I, I Really. So, the laser. The laser beam shooting straight into the sky. Have you seen something like that before? 
maybe in a movie or two or three or four or five. But I was in Florida about a few years ago and we, we hitched a ride from the airport to our place and it was about an hour ride. So I had time to talk to this guy, this cab driver who seemed very cool, just started almost immediately talking because he was from Cape Canaveral and he essentially worked for NASA. So I kind of just, and my wife was like, here we go, you know, <laughs> in a good way. And I, so I step up, we start talking. I got closer to him because I was in the back and he, he spilled it all. He didn't let out any secrets or anything, but he thought something was fishy. And he said this to me and he mentioned a pyramid that they were studying. And I don't remember which one because we talked about a lot of stuff on this ride. And um, I didn't have a show yet, and I wish I did because I would have got that guy on to talk. He had a lot to say, okay? I don't know what he was doing riding cabs, driving taxis, but he mentioned a pyramid, and he mentioned that the capstone came off. You left with a trapezoid. See my very first short episode, How Deep Does a Rabbit Hole Go? And he said a beam shot straight up from it. Now... Maybe they were working on something. Maybe they were studying something. Maybe he he was totally bullshitting. I have no idea. But this is what that reminded me of. And it almost gives me also the idea, the essence of a spiritual essence of a teepee, like a Native American teepee with the hole in the top, that spiritual energy goes straight up, not to mention the smoke from the fires that burn. We surround ourselves there and tell stories and such. I know we've discussed that in previous episodes. Um, so I, I really did think that was very interesting and worth mentioning because what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through some images here of, of Pripyat, again, founded in 1970, purpose-built city. And I keep saying that because I want you to know that I'm aware that clearly this was meant to have a, a back, a backup, a fail safe. And they did. But to find out that they're all buried in Moscow, miles and miles away, to find out that they were taken to that hospital to begin with, to find out that it was right next to water source, and to find out that people are living there just fine, to find out that animals are thriving. And I mean thriving. There's rare species have returned. There's plants and insects everywhere like it, like nothing ever happened. And of course, the few documentaries that I had watched, which were relatively well made, um, they certainly had budgets. They they speak of it in all, it's always a concerning tone about what's going on. And it's always a question about how and, oh, but you just can't be there. And these people that are there are fools. You know, they're idiots as usual. They're stupid. Meanwhile, she's saying you're stupid for living in a major city inhaling the entire periodic table every single time you breathe, which is absolute genius for that babushka. There is a seven times greater population density of the wolf population in this part of the world. Seven times greater in this exclusion zone and the surrounding reserves. The wolves have a something of a stronghold on their food sources. Every time I watched an animal eat something in any of these documentaries, I said, now they're ingesting the radioactive poison. And I, <laughs> I laughed a little sometimes because look at this. Look how green everything looks. 
Look at how green everything looks. Now here, yeah, rusted and rotted, hasn't been touched, but surrounded by trees. These are some, I assume, some pretty iconic images at this point of the of the uh, little theme park there, the bumper cars. I see the word A-T-O-M, Adam, there. Uh, I noticed that this is called an Adamgrad, and that means a closed town in this industrial zone, the ninth Adamgrad in the, in the Soviet Union, as a matter of fact. And uh, this was 150,000 square kilometers, Belarus, Ukraine, and Russia. They're all contaminated, apparently. 150,000 square kilometers, right? It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, now you obviously are allowed to visit, otherwise documentaries wouldn't be made. Although I do have another thing to add to that, but a shot of the reactor here. You're allowed. And, uh, here's the image I use for the thumbnail. Yes, you're allowed to go. How does that work? You may, if you've ever watched the sci-fi movie, particularly, particularly Godzilla, you may have seen, um, them using the Geiger counter and it crackles away as things and, and more intensely as things get more radioactive. Um, there was plenty of that in these for sure. And I'll, I'll describe in a little bit how they're actually available to walk into these places. Um, here's a little, just an example here to show you. And now you can see, look how close the power plant is to the river basin. D N I E P E R Nieper river basin it leads to humongous rivers and then look at that it hits the the kiev kiev reservoir look at the size of that there's clearly tons and tons of mileage affected by this and uh, again there's people living all over it i'm not telling you to go there right now stick a straw in the mud and drink but people are doing just fine they were told to leave immediately you know what i really went in with this here's what i actually expected to find and i i kind of i don't normally do this when i'm researching for these shows but this time around i said okay why was pripyat built what's around it what is the story behind it there's got to be a scoop somewhere you know what it looks like it was just built for chernobyl i couldn't get any kind of nefarious background on it but it's also in a very um not us part of the world and it's very, it must be very hard to get that information. If it was available, it's probably scrubbed right away. It's one of those things they say is worse about places that are, you know, communist, Soviet, whatever. I don't buy it. I know some wonderful Russians, Ukrainians, wonderful people. Tennis, WTPA, canceling Belarus and Russia from attending any tournaments. I've mentioned it in a previous episode. I don't like it. I don't care who's at war with who. This isn't about that. That that's they're at war. Not they're not us. We're we're all loving, beautiful human beings. The Russia is huge. All these countries are big. You're telling me every person there, family, business owners, you're telling me they're awful people? I don't think so. Um good people everywhere in the world guaranteed so what does it take to get into this place how can you walk around how is there there's people whose jobs are to study and deal with the landscape there how does it work 
you're timed. It's really that simple. Don't have exposure for too long. Have the Geiger counter on you so you know about heavier, more intense areas. Apparently the ground is much worse. But people are walking around breathing without masks, without anything. <laughs> so I thought that was really weird, actually. And I'm, I'm looking now because I know there's the... There's a three, the three things that you shouldn't do when you're by this radiation. I think it's time, distance, and you know having protection on. I, I didn't see a lot of them wearing protection when they were doing their thing on these documentaries. I really didn't. But um, yeah, I was reading this Nat Geo article, 2018. Could Chernobyl wolves be spreading mutations? If they were, I think something would have happened by now. And there's mushrooms everywhere. Now, we know, thankfully, through wonderful research and people that care about humanity, <laughs> that mushrooms have an entire network of information over the course of all land, a web of information just given out. It's not just the mushrooms you see. So fungus must be the most radioactive all over the place, right? But then they say that mushrooms also eat up things, plastics, and get rid of waste. Maybe the mushrooms are a big reason why everything's fine so quickly, if indeed the radioactive nature of this is what they say it is. Because I'm not convinced, as a matter of fact. I'm not convinced. And, um, yeah, I remember a lot of the alien shows would talk about it. A lot of the kind of joke shows that I now see as jokes when I was younger. So, it's, it's tough. It's tough to say. My wife had a really, really good observation, and she mentioned that perhaps it's just they received with unintentionally, particularly the people that went back to live there, because some of them were like, this is my house, I'm dying in my house. You're not keeping me out of here. It's amazing. You saw what she said in the intro. I'm not leaving even at gunpoint, which means she's probably suffered that uh, consequence before. Radiation therapy, not chemo, by the way, it's a low-dose therapy over time. Perhaps perhaps it's a similar thing. If any of you out there know more about radiation therapy, please tell me, and I, I will certainly will certainly look into this again or look to speak to this again. I, I really am very curious about this. Um, and I'm just seeing my notes here to make sure that I don't miss anything. <laughs> right. In this documentary that I got the opening the opening video from, these people are frequently hounded by the scientists that are still running the show there in the exclusion zone. Children are not allowed to live there at all, apparently. But these people are. They have to follow some strict regulations, though. They're, gonna, they're, they're, making their, they're finding and making their own food. You saw her fishing. They obviously are using the plants and wildlife around them, too, fruits and vegetables, whatever. Maybe some animals if they get lucky. But these scientists come in they take something of everything that they have. They have to give it up. They rip out pieces of soil from their actual farming areas, because they're all farming, I assume. Based on the video, it seems like they are. And they're testing this stuff constantly. I don't think they're testing it to say, you need to leave right now. They're like saving face or something, right? It seems like they're trying to keep the image alive, even though these people are living there without any problems whatsoever into their old age. They just keep coming in and they're actually taking their eggs. They're taking the fish they catch, you know. They're trying to make sure that 
there are certain levels, I guess. These people will still receive pensions and paper money. And, you know, somebody has to drive around from house to house and do it. I guess they can only do a few houses a day because everyone lives so far apart from each other because there's not that many working buildings left in the area that are houses. Most of them haven't been repaired in, you know, 40 years. So, or close to 40 years, I should say. (laughs) Not trying to show my age. Nope. Um, One person, one of the guys said that one of the problems is people are constantly sneaking in at night, of course. He said it was inspired. Here's a little nerdy spot for the episode. He said it was inspired by a video game called Stalker. What is this game? You end up in Chernobyl and you walk around and do stuff. Do stuff like what? He's holding a grenade. Do stuff like kill mutant zombies and <laughs> in the lush green landscape, of course. I'd say based on the draw-in leaves and stuff, it's not looking like the tightest game. But whatever. It was a fun little project for somebody. I never heard of it. But um, very interesting. Very interesting indeed that they blamed the video game for making people want to come in at night. I'm sure people were doing this for a long time before that. Um, Young people and animals more susceptible, they said, a reason children aren't allowed to live there. Seems like BS because there are, again, even rare endangered species there doing fine amongst the flowers and the bees and all this other stuff. Um, they're, they're eating the plants and, and vegetables that they grow in their farms, these people. And there's not that many of them at all, as far as what I was led to believe, by the way. Which, uh, again, is it's very interesting. I just can't get over how many people are living there and everything's fine, you know? So, one of the things that was mentioned in some documentary that I saw, and I thought it was super interesting, is that the reactor's still there. And they worry... That's where, you know, ground zero is where the heaviest, clearly it should be, the heaviest amount of radiation is being detected still. And that everything that was in there is still there. They, and I'm just reading now because they said it, you know, word for word, the technology for removing the fuel from reactor four doesn't even exist. So even though they were ready to ship everyone out of there as quickly as possible and minimize casualties to less than 100 people for what was clearly the worst of its kind, at least for now, um, they weren't even ready to do the cleanup. They weren't ready for that. That wasn't in place. Put a bunch of people there. We'll get them out quick, I promise. But as far as making sure that everything's okay from then on, we got nothing. It's Again, it really seems like BS to me. And there's more to the story, and it's hard to find. I tried. It's hard to find the information that isn't the regurgitated mainstream uh, story about this and we definitely don't live there and uh i mean based on the news we're super buddies now but i'm not sure what it was like back then um i mean russia was on our side at some point so i don't know and it's not worth discussing right now as far as i'm concerned 95 <laughs> percent of the original radioactive inventory of reactor four remains inside the ruins of this building right and because of that like i said three thousand years before you can go back they said three thousand years um so they're covering this thing instead they're going to cover it with something called the sarcophagus 
which I guess is an appropriate name, but must it be called that? <laughs> you know, it's 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 silly. So I actually have an image of it. Let me show it to you. So this is the sarcophagus that is going to be covering, or I'm sorry, that, that should now be covering reactor number four. You'll see there's no reactor in sight. This is actually it. And once built, it slides over it. And then they finish building it under extreme conditions, as they said. But um, as they were showing this, I was watching this particular one with my wife. And I immediately said, and I think she was thinking it, said, I wonder who's paying for this? Because lately the news has been talking about many, many billions of dollars of hours going to Ukraine. Whether they deserve it or not, it's not what I'm talking about. Whether there's an actual war between Russia and Ukraine and who's at fault and who benefits, that's not what this is about. This discussion is merely edifying the concept that we are actually in pretty deep with this thing. $2.3 billion. We have a very high majority of our money has gone to creating this thing. This thing that does not threaten anyone in our actual country at all. That could have... Let's not. I want to, but let's not. You know, you could buy a house for everyone in this country, I think, with that money. And maybe even more. Every family, not for every single human, but every single family would have a house, probably brand new, with that money. Instead, we're building a humongous sarcophagus that will, that a safe confinement shield, it's called, that should last 100 years. Reminder that it should last 100 years. Is that good for that kind of price? I don't know. I'd hope to get 500 years after that price. That's what I want for 2.3 billion. 500 years. <laughs> so they can't paint over it. It's steel. Apparently they paint over the Eiffel Tower all the time because they want to keep it alive and fresh. And they do that every 15 years. They don't want to get near it. They'll stick around to build it because that's when the money comes in and I'm sure they don't need that much. They can probably do what they got to do with it. Um, I read very clearly and I think it was stated very clearly by our upper government slash president, whatever the hell it is, whoever the hell said it, that our money that we're pumping into Ukraine right now for that war, war, you know, is going to help them pay for their pensions. Did you hear that? I don't care if I, I love everyone, but we can pay for our own pensions if that thing is even a necessary part of our society, part of our culture slash economy, whatever. It's a little mind-boggling, a little crazy, a little messed up to me. I'm trying not to curse. Can you tell? <laughs> oh, baby. This is... It's a mess. It's a big mess. This facility, which wasn't perfect to begin with, was going through a routine test. Is this real world or exercise? And now it's closed forever and no one can go back for 3,000 years. Yet everything is fine. Nature is telling us, no, no, everything's fine here. I, I, 
I don't know what you're talking about. Come on back. It's great. We're thriving better than most parts of the world right now. Nature is telling us everything is fine. I will side with nature. Not a 2.3 billion, 100-year predicted existing sarcophagus to cover a reactor that shot a beam of light into the sky. Now, I want to remind everyone, I am no expert in this. Will I have another episode on nuclear things? I assume I will, but I will be sure to bring somebody on. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. And um, I don't think this story is over. Definitely not. One of the uh, babushkas in that particular documentary that I showed at the very beginning had something really beautiful to say, and I think that it really speaks very well to this kind of thing. And I want to mention it because a little way to tail off here before I tail off from the place that I grew up for the past 40 years. It's going to be something pretty exciting. And I I know, I assume no, I know it's going to inspire me to do some great things in the near future and far future with this show. So I'm excited about that too, along with all the other things it's going to bring. But somewhere in the middle of that documentary, when talking about the way that they were being treated when it happened, the way that they really weren't taken care of, the survivors, which were many, and mostly women returned, by the way. I don't know if I had mentioned that. Um, she said something really beautiful. She said, someone looks in a puddle, they see the sky. Somebody else looks in it, they see themselves. Somebody else looks in, they see nothing. I was really hoping that humanity as a whole from our perceived available information and technology that we get to see the world I was hoping people less people would see nothing and by seeing themselves they would see the sky I was hoping for that it looks like a lot of people are starting to see themselves but a lot of people still see nothing they just walk right past it don't even look down a lot of ancient cultures looked at the sky in containers of water they would look and down and use the reflection to see the stars perhaps it was a type of magnification i'm not sure why that would be the preferred way maybe it just kept them from <laughs> looking up for hours and hours but it's an incredible thing and speaking of not seeing anything at all or not noticing anything i should say i wasn't aware of this until very recently but the Tesla cars, they have a bioweapon defense mode. Speaking of all this toxic stuff and everything, if you were in a Tesla and you saw that Ohio explosion, that mushroom cloud, you can press the button and it closes you and it creates, you know, now you have a cabin, an enclosed cabin like an airplane. And it prevents things from coming in. Now it's a HEPA filter and something along those lines, but... I remember reading uh, one particular thing about it that said, but it wouldn't work for COVID because COVID's smaller than the particulates that it can keep out. So would it have helped in a nuclear emergency? Would it have helped in Ohio? I don't know. 
I'll leave you with that, though. I think that's the best thing to leave this on because that makes me very curious. Why is it called bioweapon defense mode? That's scary. <laughs> that's really scary for people. It's a lot of older people buying them. It's a scary thing to call it. I wish there was some other, you know, disaster, um, air purifier, whatever. I don't know. Call it something else, please. Bioweapon defense mode is actually what it's called. So I thought that was pretty pretty strange. And um, strange isn't even the half of it with this incredible place that we live. And I'm uh, I'm digging deep to find everything I can. A lot of very exciting things coming up, some very cool interviews. I'm going to be on shows, and hopefully that trend continues. Like, subscribe, share. Find me on Rockfin if you haven't already. This one will not be exclusive, but a lot of them are going to be because there's things I just can't talk about on YouTube or anywhere for that matter. I feel safer on Rockfin and um, they provide something for the community. You can tip me there. I can't do that on YouTube yet. That's for damn sure. Um, if you subscribe through me there, it, it it takes it even further for me. I'm also on Patreon and um, just watching and sharing is support enough. I'm not asking for anything here. Really appreciate everything so far. My um, followers are really escalating fast on on Rockfin. I'm I'm close to 750 right now, three quarters of a thousand in just a few months. Thank you to everyone that is on that list, and all the people that aren't there yet who are about to be, because I'm sure it'll keep it'll keep going. And sharing it is a big deal for me. Thank you so much, guys. I'll talk to you very soon. And um, I'll be at a brand new spot. So everything you see behind me is going to be totally different. It's pretty exciting. And um, I can't wait to bring you more. And the year is just beginning. It's going to be an awesome one. Thanks again.